Hello and welcome to the show. Once again, we have a fabulous lineup of guests to energize and inspire you. It's time to wake up your wow with your host, international award-winning speaker, Kath Vincent. On the show today, we have iconic Maori actor and director, Rawiri Paratini, talking about his two-year tour bringing Shakespeare to the world. And if you feel just too busy, body language expert Suzanne Macefield will show you how to take a breath. And we have speaker, traveller, inventor and father of two, Samuel Gibson, who is only three feet tall, talking about his life as an ordinary guy. And today, the Wild Records music slot from Jesse Wilde has an international flavour, bringing Nashville to your lounge with music from Johnny Fritz and Friends. All this and more to wake up your wow. Well, I am so happy that you're here with us in the studio. Thanks for coming in. Great to be here. So you're on tour right now, and we've, we've done really well to get you on the one day that you happen to be in Auckland. Where have you come from? Directly, I've come from Kazakhstan, which was the end of the second leg of the tour, which was mostly through the Americas, through North and Central America, and through the Caribbean. But at the end of the tour, they sent us up to Poland and then across to Kazakhstan. Wow, and now yeah. tell me about this amazing tour. Okay, so we're taking Hamlet. When I say we, uh, Shakespeare's Globe Theatre in Bankside in London. And um, I'm part of the company that is taking Hamlet to every country on the planet over two wow. years. Every country on the planet. How many countries is that? 205. Wow, yeah. I learned something. <laughs> 205 well, countries. Yeah, we started, our first performance was in London um, on Shakespeare's 450th birthday, April 23 this year. And um, the tour will end, back, will end back at the Globe. Um, on his death day, um, April 23, on his 400th anniversary of his death, wow. back at the Globe. That must be a huge undertaking. Never been done before. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty crazy to be part of. So we've done 50 countries so far. We're a quarter of the way through. So tell me, how do you handle this, the schedule, which must be completely gruelling? How do you maintain your energy and, and keep in top gear all the time? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> Um, the rest of the company are amazed because I can sleep anywhere yeah. and I can power sleep, I guess, and it's a technique that I learned from my grandmother when we were kids back in the, in the late 50s, early 60s, and um, she used to put us to sleep with meditation um, techniques, basically, and she'd pop us on the back of a dragonfly and take us over a hill and down into a creek or you know, hover around. You're the, doing it to me now. Stop, yeah. stop it. <laughs> and so I can just drop off and, and whisk away for half an hour and that re-energizes. That helps. Yeah. You've it's got, a, got to look after that, yourself. Um, it's amazing that impact that just, just by thinking, like literally I just went off on a dragonfly when you said yeah. that. It was beautiful. It's the most restful part of yeah. my day. The, the part that I didn't say is my grandmother and her sisters and cousins used to put us all, all of me and the cousins to sleep in the afternoon so they could play cards and drink sherry. <laughs> <laughs> I realized much later. So tell me a bit more about your upbringing. 
Okay, so I was born in 1954, so I've turned 60 this year. Wow. And, um, you look awesome. What face cream do you use? Uh, <laughs> face uh, moisturizer made by my wife, a lavender ointment. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. a hippie girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't, I, thank you. <laughs> I don't, I feel 60, at least. Um, That's because you're on tour. <laughs> yeah. So I was born in 54 in, um, in the Hokianga in a, in, a, in a different time zone, really. So there was no electricity then. The, our village, Motukraka, you couldn't get to by road. There were no roads. So the access was by water or by horse or by foot. Um, and yeah, so I was born into that kind of upbringing and then was part of the urban urban drift in the 60s when our family came to Auckland. So how did you get from that to the incredible success you've enjoyed? I mean you're probably probably most well known for Whale Rider and Insatiable Moon. How, how did you get from that upbringing to that kind of celebrity status if you like? Um, perhaps right from the beginning like when performance was a big part of our our upbringing so on Sunday evenings, so I grew up in a Catholic area and Sundays was all about family and about the church and the marae. And on Sunday evenings, it was the time of the kids and we would perform and my grandmother would dress up as Charlie Chaplin and be the MC. And we would each have to do either a few group items or to entertain the elders. Did you, did you know that you wanted to be an actor when you grew up? So actor, director, the whole thing? No, I didn't. I was shy, believe it or not, yeah. until puberty. <laughs> um, but I was incredibly shy, and so it was the furthest thing from my... Although I was interested in music and I was interested in art. Um, so I was thinking about teaching and all of those sorts of things, which, which were popular yeah. back in the late 60s when I was at college. Um, and it wasn't until I went and saw Hamlet, as it were, at the Mercury Theatre and uh, it was a life-changing experience and I came out and I knew that I wanted to be involved in performing arts because that had moved me so much. Tell me why, what was the thing that, that captured your imagination? Partly because Shakespeare hadn't spoken to me at all and then suddenly I realised that the power of performing arts in that a man who was living at least four centuries ago and on the other side of the earth, so from a different culture, from a different time, spoke to me directly. I saw on stage a story unfolding about a young man who saw corruption in his elders, who saw a rotten state. I was growing up in Ōtara. There was perhaps not corruption in our government, but we were living in what I considered a rotten state. Um, you know, the Māori protest movement hadn't taken off by then. There were things that were wrong with um, how we were, how we were, the conditions that we were living in. Our, our language wasn't allowed to be spoken in the schools and so on and so forth. And, and that's what got to me. The themes of, of Hamlet just spoke to me directly and I thought, that's a powerful medium. I want to do that. Yeah. yeah. So what's your favourite Shakespeare quote? <sighs> we are such stuff as dreams are made on, which pretty much sums up my life. Yeah. Um, I've, I've gone ahead with dreams all the time. 
I, I was in London, the first time I was in London and I visited the Globe before it even opened. And um, I was, and, and the next time I was in London, I visited the Globe uh, with my son and did the tour. And I turned around to him and I said, I'm going to work on that stage one day. And that was in 2007. It was just after the, the bombs on the train. It was a week after. It was the day that London stood still in memory of, of that terrible happening. And I was there with my youngest son and I said, I'm going to work on that stage. And in 2009, I was playing um, Friar Lawrence in Romeo and Juliet and did my first season there. And that's been me all my life. I, I have dreams and I, I articulate them and I work hard at, at making them happen. Dreams don't just come true. They, they come true with a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice. So yeah, any, any young people with, with dreams need to, need to just remember we are such stuff as dreams are made on. Thank you, that is great advice for everyone. Thank you so much, Ra. Cheers. So Suzanne, you are a body language expert and you analyse the body language of politicians amongst other people. Yes, I've been very fortunate actually. I've been asked to analyse the politicians for the last two elections here in New Zealand. Um, and I was even asked to analyse the billboards this time of how they were coming across before the elections. Um, and I've also done quite a bit of work around um, court cases and whether people are guilty or indicators mm. of deception, those types of things. So very, very interesting topics. So you must be analysing people all the time. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my body now. Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of analysis, but what happens is often when I meet people, they say that and they get a bit uncomfortable. But yeah. I actually find that quite good that they do get uncomfortable from the perspective of getting that awareness because often, you know, we're, we're very unaware of how we're coming across to other people. And that can inhibit how we do our job, how we relate with other people in our relationships, all those types of things. Because basically, we live in the world of busy now. The 21st century disease is busyness. Oh, I, can, I can testify mm. to that, yeah. And, and, and that's very stressful. And actually, people think of body language often about analysing other people. For sure. But not necessarily thinking about their own body language. No, that's right. And, and I find this a lot when I'm running workshops or training or speaking. People are really interested in finding out what everybody else is doing, yeah. but they forget about themselves. Yeah. You know, and if you're not actually present within your own body, you're not going to read other people clearly anyway. So how can understanding your own body language help you with that disease of busyness? Okay, well, one of the things it can do is decrease stress. Yeah. Because just by getting really present in your body and taking a breath, you know, and, and having these little possibility pauses, which is what I call them, uh, you actually start to have more energy and you don't feel so stressed. You actually get to check in with yourself and say, well, what do I need to do? You know, am I focused on the goal I started with at the beginning of the day? Or have I got sidetracked somewhere along the life with busyness? Yeah. So it gives you that opportunity to do that. So tell me a bit more about this possibility pause. It sounds great. Just the name is great. It is great. It's a, it's a pause, you know, a possibility pause. It, you have a pause for a possibility of changing the direction you're going or to enhance how you're actually feeling if you're feeling good. But it's, it's about being really conscious about what's going on for you. You know, and in this world of busy, we don't do this. The busyness disease is very much... 21st century. And you're absolutely right. People get to the end of the day and they say, oh, I ended up 
yeah. doing. It's almost like the day has taken over and you've, you know, you've been pulled in a direction that you didn't intend. Totally. And these give people the opportunity to change that. And I use this with all my executive clients, with all my corporates. It's something I've used. I actually created this 10 years ago. And it's a combination of breathing and connection to your body language and what's happening with your body. And you actually implement them, integrate it into your daily life, you yeah. know, at different stop points in the day. So it's very simple and easy to use. So how does it actually work? Okay, you'd like me to show you? Yes, okay, absolutely. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so you can do it stood, standing up or you yep. can do it sitting down. Okay. But so if you're going to stand up, it's actually quite good to stand up because it actually gets you sort of thinking about your body. Okay. So you put your hand on your stomach and you feel your feet on the floor and you make sure your feet are about shoulder width apart mm -hmm. and you bend your knees slightly because often when we're stressed, when people say have a, you know, a good posture, people get very, very rigid. <laughs> I just did that. When yeah. we stood up, I'm like, oh, she's going to test me on this. And people lock their knees. And if you notice, if people lock their knees, if you push them, they're actually a pushover. So you're not really stable. Right. So just that little bend in the knees makes you feel quite grounded and supported by the ground, mm -hmm. which is very good if you're running around being busy. Yeah. So this is about getting that awareness. Hand on the stomach. Imagine a plumb line, you know, coming through the top of your head and just pulling you up slightly. Yeah, so just imagine that and open yourself, open your arms out a little bit because okay. often we're very, very yeah. tight. So put your hand on your stomach, feel your feet on the floor and I want you to think about something that makes you feel happy. And I want you to breathe in right down to your stomach and hold that breath for three minutes. Three minutes? Three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> three seconds. Three minutes. You're testing three me. Se three seconds is ideal. You just have to see if I was listening. Exactly. <laughs> so breathe in. Hold it for three seconds, right the way down to your stomach. Often people find this hard because they don't realise they're shallow breathing. Yeah. And then breathe out any stress, any worries, any concerns. So you blow it right out. And then you do it again. So you do this three times, breathing right in. Imagine something that makes you feel really, really good. Take that breath and then blow out anything that's not that, any stress, any worries, any concerns. And you do that three times. Cool. Very simple, very short. Then when you finish that, you think about somebody that you know that is very, very confident or a time when you were very confident and you put yourself in that body language. You put your body in that position. So it elevates your state mentally, emotionally and physically very, very quickly. Now this takes less than a minute. Yep and you can integrate it into your day really quick, really quickly and easily. And what, what uh, it enables you to do is actually have that stop point to say, well, how am I? How am I feeling? It gets oxygen to the brain so you can start to think clearly. And it makes you really, really aware of your own body language, your posture, and how you might be coming across in a situation. But also whether you're on track with what you're wanting to complete during that day. So they're simple and really, really easy, but they're amazingly powerful. And I've got whole companies doing this, and it, it's really, really effective. And you're right, the power's in its simplicity. Exactly. And what often happens is people think it's too easy, I can't be bothered yeah. to do it. So what would you say to those people? I'd say try it, try it for 21 days. You know, If you only do this in the next 21 days, you will see a marked improvement in how you feel with your energy, yeah. but also how where you start to become about whether you are actually following the path that you want, your goals, your dreams, you know, or whether you're going off track. So just getting ourselves into the, the practice of actually doing this can start to change some of those things. Then you can start looking at the body language that's going to be really, really impactful, like opening up 
when you're talking to people and things like that. And how can we find out what those little things mean, the things that we might be doing? How, how can we you know, reference those and find out what they mean? We've got a free body language cheat sheet um, that we give to people because it's just a simple way to actually start to start to be aware of what other people are giving off and what you're giving off yeah. and what to do about it. Yeah. It's just a one-page sheet. So but you can download that and it's absolutely free. It's absolutely free. Fantastic. And we've also got the online course, yeah. you know, so and we've been having a lot of success with that with people, with companies and individuals actually using Signals to Success online course, learning about body language from, you know, their own home, which is really, really cool. And actually, that's that's compiled of a series of videos, is that right? It is. They're very short. Yeah. Um, I made them for my clients who are busy people. We live in a busy world. I'm very focused on this. Yeah. You know, I've been working with people in this environment for a long time. So they're short, they're quick, and they've the research we've done on them, they keep engagement. So by the by the end of each video, you know, the longest one is 11 minutes. Basically, most of them range between four and six minutes, um, and they're in a cartoon drawing picture format um, with some really interesting voiceovers, but it means you can dip in and out of them. Mm. You know, if you've got just before a meeting or you're going to negotiate or a sales call or something like that, or if you're feeling really, really stressed, you know, so you can focus in different areas because we address the whole way you're coming across. It's a conscious communication course as well as body language. Right, so everything you put together from the cheat sheet to the videos, all bears in mind the fact that people are really super busy. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Totally. Well, if you do one thing, do you see Suzanne's possibility pause? That sounds great. Yeah. Thanks so much. It's lovely being here. Thank you, Kerr. So, Sam, thank you so much for flying in today to see us. That's my pleasure. It's very nice to be here. So, the first thing that people would notice about you is that you have an extreme disability. Sure. I, I, I understand that I was born with a genetic condition called osteogenesis imperfecta. Briefly that's just brittle bones so it means that my bones haven't grown and developed like like yours have yeah. and it's probably the first thing that you, you notice when when you meet me but I think if you ask any of my family or colleagues or friends disabled would be the last word they would use to to describe me and that's certainly not something that that I focus on or or give any airtime at all to. Yeah, well the reality is that you've actually created a life that many people only dream of. Well, I, I have a lot to be thankful for, that's absolutely no doubt about that. We, we live in a wonderful little place called Havelock North in the Hawke's Bay and we have a great life and you know, it may sound cliche but life is what you make of it and I, I, I believe life's a gift and it's up to me to get the most out of it and, and that's, that's my approach to it yeah. every day. So what sort of practical challenges do you face every day? Give us some insight into what it's like to be you. <laughs> well, as I said, I really don't think about it. But from, from your perspective, yes, I, I can't walk. Um, so I, I rely on a wheelchair to get, to get around. Uh, and on that, we've actually worked at making our own wheelchair, which can enable me to be fully independent. So there is that, there's that reliance on, on an aid for mobility. You've actually invented a wheelchair that's been manufactured now. Uh, yes, I was part of part of a, an, a development project, which we now export all around the world, which is pretty neat to see. Very cool. Yeah, so I guess I've been somehow enabled to make my own life easier, but also hopefully the lives of others as well. Yeah. And you you work for a living. You've got a mortgage. You're a parent. All those things. I tick all those boxes. I, you know. 
if you asked me how I'd describe myself, it would be a pretty regular Kiwi bloke. You know, I've, I've got a great life. I've got a lot to be thankful for. I've got normal goals and hobbies and aspirations and, and yeah. So you're married to Jennifer. I am, that's right. And how did the two of you meet? Well, it's, a, it's a, quite a story. We was 12 years ago now. We were both traveling, backpacking. She's Canadian. And we so were you, were, you were backpacking. Tell, yeah. me how that, tell me how that actually <laughs> works. Okay, I can understand how that might be a strange <laughs> thing to say, but we literally were. I was with my mate and we were in, in Southeast Asia, Northern Thailand actually, um, and we were getting ready to cross over the Mekong River, which is the, the border between Thailand and Laos. Yep. And we met a couple of Canadian girls and we happened to be going in the same direction and we just kind of teamed up and off we went and yeah, that was the first day I met Jen and, and my life's never been the same, I guess you could say. Mm. Yeah, we, we carried on our, our journey together, which was down that Mekong River and through the, the Laos jungle and enjoyed a pretty am amazing first two weeks of our lives together. Yeah, that part of the world would not be set up for wheelchairs at all. I found it tough. <laughs> I found backpacking in that region tough. Yeah, that, that's probably uh, a fairly accurate comment. It's, I don't think wheelchairs or mobility issues factor at all yeah. in, in the way that they live. You know, the, what roads there are, uh, are mud or dirt. Um, the main highways are, are rivers. And so there was plenty of interesting challenges to to get around, but it was it was a great time. So, by definition, you must rely on goodwill of other people. Absolutely, I, I'm very very lucky to have a lot of great people in in my life. I think though, uh, having a, a so-called disability does does bring the best out of people. Yeah. Um, I, I it's not something I, I focus on at all, and I think people can can possibly see that. And I think it brings the best out of them. And yeah, I, I, I just, I love every day and every day is a, a new challenge and an adventure. And so what do you do in your day job? Tell me a bit about that. I work for an engineering company. We're called RCR and I'm in the finance team there. So I studied commerce and I, I have a, a job in, in the team. Um, I, I wear a few hats. I've got my own little business, which, which owns the IP to the, the wheelchair. Um, as well as lately I've sort of put myself out there as, as a speaker. Um, for a long, long time people asked me to, to share my story and for as long as I could I, I always said no. For a few reasons. One is I'm, I'm not naturally someone to put myself out in front of a crowd. But also I genuinely believe that I didn't really have any, anything interesting to talk about. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm a pretty average Kiwi bloke. I've, I've got a mortgage and a family and a, a job and all of those things. So what's interesting about that? And so, and I, but I knew that they were asking me to speak because I was, I was so-called disabled yeah. and, and would somehow be inspirational. Yeah. And I, I just didn't relate to that at all. But as I've grown older, um, I've come to understand that we actually all have a story and we all have something to share. And I think the more we do that, the more we can, can draw from each other and, and, and the better people we become. Yeah. There are some people who are watching this who think, oh, I, I should be grateful for, for my life. I'm not, but I should be. What would you say to them? 
absolutely. You know, th there's some things in life we, we don't have any say in. Uh, we all agree with that. Mm. And I, uh, there's three things that I, I, I put down to luck. One is that I, I was born in New Zealand. I believe the best country in the world. I'm sure you agree with that. We live in a, a day and age where we've got all the resource and technology to have a very good life. Yeah. And I was born into a family and a community who, who genuinely care and who want the best for everyone, including me. And so that said, I, I believe I'm lucky and I think that a lot of people should be able to relate to that. Yeah. And so how, d how does your activity operate around them? I mean, I can't imagine how you cope with all of that. Sure, well, look, you just do. I, I, my philosophy, and it's, it's been from ever since I can remember, is that there's always a way. If you want something, there's always a way to get it. There's always a way to make it work. And I have a, a pretty cool wheelchair, as I mentioned, and you know, when they were, when they were babies, they would ride on the footplate in front of me, and I would take them out for, for fluffies and coffees into the park, and, and now they're, they're big and they zoom around on their scooters, and I, I struggle to keep up with that, but um, I can yell quite, quite loudly. <laughs> but, um, so we just make it work, and yeah. They, they, they love their daddy, they think he's all right, yeah. yeah he's, he's all right, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, having spoken to you, the least remarkable thing about you is your disability. In fact, I'd, I'd so much forgotten about it since we spoke, I made no provision at all. <laughs> Thinking, oh gosh, how are we gonna get this wheelchair up? And I was really stressed and you weren't worried at all. <laughs> right, you know, I did arrive and see the big flight of stairs and thought, oh, this is gonna be interesting. <laughs> but look, there's no point in worrying about it. You, there's no point in worrying about things that we can't control. And like I said, there's always a way. We made it work, I'm here. Yeah. And uh, my wheelchair's still downstairs and hopefully it's still there. <laughs> it's no double driven off of it. Yeah, <laughs> probably got a few tickets by now. But no, exactly, we, we just made it work, didn't we? We absolutely did. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in. And you heard it from Samuel, there's always a way. Thank you. Thank you, Kath. Jesse, who's in the studio this week? I'm so excited because I know, I know, tell us. We have an incredible bunch of Americana musicians all the way from Nashville. Yes, we do. And when did you meet them? Well, funnily enough, I met them last night at the gig at the <laughs> Tuning Fork. I know. And I was there and it was such a fantastic gig. And so um, how did you get them on the show? Well, we just uh, a little bit of smoozing, a <laughs> bit of talking, uh, bought a couple of records and before you know it, they're here recording in the studio. Fantastic. Well, they're going to play and you're going to... I just got to get up and man the sound desk because we're recording <laughs> live today. And so there's three of them in here. So not, not a solo, we've got a whole, a whole band. So Yeah, we've got Johnny Fritz, we've got Robert Ellis and we've got Josh Headley. Fantastic. Let's hear from them. Cool.